Avengers! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Excelsior, a Marvel's Avengers podcast. This is episode 2 for August 29th, the episode right before launch week. I'm your director, Christian Buckley, and normally I would be joined by the Apex legend, Jack Martin, but unfortunately he's out of town this week, so we're riding solo this week. Uh, Much like Marvel's Avengers the game, completely fine. You can run it solo, you can play it by yourself, you can do a podcast by yourself, so... It's you and me this week. We're going to have a good time. There's a lot to go over this week. Um, Originally, the plan was for us to just review and recap the Road to A-Day comic book. And we're still going to get to that. Uh, I read the all five issues, so we're going to get to that in the probably second half of the show. But Crystal was busy this week. There's a lot to go over for this game. So why don't we just dive right into it? But before we get to the news, I just want to say shout out to all the people who listened last week, all the people who watched on YouTube. Thank you very much. Um, Excelsior is something that has a special place in my heart as just a show. It's what got me into podcasting to begin with, really. And uh, yeah, seeing the warm success of it uh, made me very happy. And I'm excited to continue to grow dedicated to the fandom and the audience of this game that I can't wait for. I know Jack can't wait for. So if you're new to the show, if you're finding this for the first time, would love it if you could subscribe to the Apple Podcast feed, uh, the Spotify feed, give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show or if you're excited for Avengers. If you're on YouTube, same thing goes for that. Uh, subscribe, we're very close to 2,000 subs on JoyClicks, and uh, liking the video always helps. But let's talk some news about Marvel's Avengers. In the first debut of a segment we're going to be calling Fury's Report. So, uh, like I said, Crystal was pretty busy this week. There's a lot to discuss in terms of news for Marvel's Avengers going into launch week. Uh, As we know, uh, early access for the game is coming out on September 1st. That is the version I will be getting. Uh, Drops for everybody else on September 4th if you're just in it for the $60 uh, price point. That's when you can expect to play the game. But Crystal has a treat for us, all the people excited for this game, because a new war table, you know, uh, the war table being the the showcase of news for Marvel's Avengers. There's a new war table and it is hitting Monday, August 30th. So I, I'm very excited for this. I thought the last war, war table, excuse me, was very good. I thought it was the best showcase of the game so far. Having the hindsight of the beta now, seeing the improvements we're going to get to further down on Fury's report makes me very excited for this war table. And what we do know is that this war table is going to include information about the post-launch roadmap to a certain extent. But the more exciting aspect is that we're going to be seeing another post-launch hero reveal, which is super exciting. So far, all that's been confirmed is Hawkeye. Uh, We know Hawkeye is coming relatively soon after launch. Uh, Spider-Man, exclusively to the PlayStation version of the game, sometime early 2021. So, immediately, I've seen the fandom kind of react. The community for Marvel's Avengers sort of split, because there are some leaks out there. Uh, We're not going to really dive into those at all, because I want to preserve the spoilers. I've read them, but... uh, I understand some people are worried about that, so that's not what we're going to do here. But 
Um, I, I know like keen eyed people noticed that at the, the Hawkeye reveal, there were four emblems, which would have represented the emblems that we see represent like Tony and Widow and Cap in the game. Just like the circle with their iconic design inside the circle. So there were four and Hawkeye's logo was the second one out of those four. So people are thinking that there is a post-launch hero that is coming before Hawkeye. So again, not going to go into any of the spoilers really. Um, it's hard to not suggest someone, you know, because I think there are some people that make sense based on the current stance of Marvel. Um, if I had to just throw one out there, you know, I think Captain Marvel makes a lot of sense. Carol Danvers, because clearly Kamala Khan is inspired by Carol, Captain Marvel. We've seen posters of Captain Marvel in Kamala's room, uh, in trailers, so... I think it would make sense to have Carol be in the game in some sort of post-launch capacity. Uh, really sort of double down on the idea of Kamala coming into her own, taking on the title of Ms. Marvel. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, honestly, she could be worked into the main story somehow. I don't know that. But um, Carol makes a lot of sense. Um, if I had to say anybody... Like, just a wild, wild throwing something out there. I think Wolverine coming into this game, regardless of if it is possible or not, or if that's the direction they want to take this quote-unquote Avengers post-game, I would love Wolverine in this game, and I feel like he'd be a great character. So, uh, that's what you can expect out of the War Table this Monday. We will be reacting to that live on YouTube.com slash JoyClicks. If you want more information about the times, you can go to JoyClicks on Twitter, and we'll have it all posted there. Uh, Excelsior on Twitter, at ExcelsiorJC, will also be giving updates about when we go live, so be sure to look out for that. But we, we do have a little more information coming from the developers. Again, most of this I've been pulling from the Play Avengers subreddit, which the developers are active on. Um, Square Enix this past week posted a lot of blog posts. They did one a day detailing specific focuses of what to expect from them, and I honestly appreciate it. I feel like they've been being very transparent with development, with the difficulties of working from home and what their vision is for this game. So a couple of the highlights, I think, are accessibility options. Uh, the accessibility blog post did detail the fact that there are closed captions for the game for action as well as dialogue. Uh, they detailed that they've been working with Able Gamers, a foundation that is doing incredible work to make games accessible for more and more people. We've seen Able Gamers uh, connect with Xbox and Microsoft to work together on the adaptive controller, and they're a wonderful organization, and they're doing very important work. So seeing Crystal approach them for consulting on accessibility options, I think, is an excellent step. Now, in terms of more granular stuff about accessibility, we saw this already in the beta, but they did detail that uh, motion blur, screen shake, um, vibration on the controllers, uh, as well as the distance of the camera to the character has been implemented and it is modular. So you will be able to alter that to what works best for you. And I don't remember if we touched on this last week, but as someone who really didn't have an issue with motion blur the first couple weeks of the beta, 
when they when they implemented the toggle and then I turned it all the way to zero, I could not believe how much of a difference it made. So safe to say, I think the screen shake implementation is uh, it's good that we can alter that for sure. But there were a bunch of other blog posts throughout the week. Uh, some were detailing post-launch features, which they have heard repeated from the community that they will be working to implement. But again, it's going to probably be after launch. Uh, things that fall into that camp are a compass for better directional and uh, communication amongst your team members, a ping system to, again, really make the the sharing of chests. You know, if like one person finds a chest, but... You say, where are you? And they say, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to buy this chest. Like, I think having a ping system is vital. And it's good to see them acknowledge that that's going to be a big deal. Uh, similarly, they've also heard a lot of response about implementing a minimap. So, again, not something to expect very soon. But it, it's been brought to their attention. And they think a lot of the community suggestions are good ideas. So again, very happy to see they're very responsive to the community so far. Um, it's going into the beta, it's a lot more of a back and forth than I was kind of expecting, which I'm very happy to see. Uh, in terms of more specific information about content, though, we did learn that villains are going to be coming alongside all the hero DLCs. So we know Tarleton... Modok is the main villain of the base game of the Avengers. But considering every single post-launch character is going to have their own unique story, it's very exciting for me personally to learn that the heroes are going to have their own villains to fight. Um, I think what the beta did very well with a character like the Hulk is give us Abomination to fight because Hulk should feel like the Hulk, right? And I understand going into this game... It's something I left at the door where, yes, to break the guard of a robot, Thor might have to hit the robot with Mjolnir a few times because it's a game. But I think Hulk really shines specifically from the beta in the Abomination fight. So if Crystal's able to implement characters like that um, and sort of balance them around a specific villain for their campaign, that's excellent news. I'm very excited about that. Uh, with Hawkeye... I don't necessarily have someone in mind of who you could bring in as a villain, but, you know, we don't really know the exact villains in the game. Um, Loki, I think, would be a great villain to have somewhere in the game. Ultron as well, if that's not a, like, a year two thing. So, just considering the option is there and it's open, makes me very excited. And in terms of the other heroes, we do know that the way monetization works in the game is tied to cosmetics. We saw it in the beta. You can use credits that you can earn through challenge cards or through microtransactions to buy emotes and nameplates and costumes for your favorite Avenger. And all the DLC is free. Crystal's been very upfront that all the new areas, the new missions, the new story content, the new playable heroes, all of that is 100% free. What they've detailed to this week, though, is that we saw the challenge cards were accessible for all six Avengers, right? We see a Cap challenge card, we see a an Iron Man one, a Kamala Khan one, and there's 40 levels for each challenge card. They detailed that at launch, all of those heroes, their challenge cards are free. So if you buy the game whenever, you have access to those six challenge cards. 
But for the heroes that are being added post-launch, like Hawkeye for instance, if you want access to Hawkeye's challenge card, it will be a 1,000 credit purchase or $10. Now, considering the fact that you're still getting the hero and their abilities and their story for free, I think that's completely fair. Uh, I, I see a lot of people claiming that the $10 battle pass works for something like Fortnite where it's free and you don't have to pay for anything else. And then they're getting upset at this. And it, it's a tricky situation because yes, you are paying $60. In my case, I paid $70 for a game at launch. But the thing is, you're still getting that full game experience f that you pay for. And in the case of the expanded stories, like the Hawkeye campaign that's being added with Hawkeye, all of us get to play that for free. The only difference is that if you want to be earning credits through a challenge card for that specific character, you have to pay up. And now, actually, I'm wondering, because Crystal detailed that if you spend $10 on, say, Hawkeye's challenge card, and you get him all the way up to level 40, you will earn all the credits back. So huh, what I'm wondering is, depending on how you manage your credits with these six challenge cards in the base game, I wonder if you could just stock up the credits you earn from like maxing out Thor and Cap and Tony, and then you could just save those credits to be used on like the Hawkeye card or the Spider-Man card, right? So yeah, I wonder then how many credits are built into the, the launch heroes, right? Because they also went on to say that the ability to level up through the challenge card up to level 40, the uh, the dailies and the weeklies, the, the, the challenges that help you accelerate through those cards, they're not timed. So there's no rush to really try to burn through the game and it's not going to be like if you don't have the time to commit to the game you can't earn the full challenge card because that's going to be implemented you're still going to be able to do that which again i think is great so we knew the game was going to have a to like actually have a way to make money post-launch and out of all the options they could have gone i think this is the best case scenario because we as the base players still get the characters the story what you go to an Avengers game for for free. And if you just want to have the added customization, like if you want whatever skin for Hawkeye, right, that's his level 40 skin, that's what you have to pay for. So again, I understand why people would be upset, but I think it's pretty much on par with the whole argument of paying 10 bucks for Fortnite's Battle Pass because that's free because the content you're paying for is tied to the free content. So it's something I'll live with. Um, and lastly, for Fury's report, we do know that preload begins August 30th, so it's a rolling midnight schedule as of recording this. Once it hits midnight for me tonight, my game is going to begin to download, and I'll be able to play it on September 1st. It's 46 gigs for the 1.0 version. We do know there's an 18 gig day one patch. Uh, it's yet to be specified if the day one patch is going to be available for players of the early access version or if the day one patch is tied to the september 4th launch uh hopefully it is timed for the early access one as someone who is very excited to play the game at its best early 
So uh, we'll see how that works out. So that wraps Fury's report for this episode. Um, before we continue, again, I want to just give another shout out uh, for the people listening. So thank you once again. And I was thinking because Excelsior has a history, right? But now it's more tied to an ongoing community, right? Than anything else. Like, yeah, the MCU was an ongoing thing, but and it still is. But week to week, we're on the ground level. Like we, we uh, it's a lot more of a dialogue between the other people playing Avengers and those who listen to the show. So we do have tiers on patreon.com slash joyclicks where you can get involved with the shows. And the $2 tier is the one that allows listeners of podcasts to get involved with the show, uh, supply questions, comments, concerns for us to discuss in our weekly episodes. So I was trying to think of names, right? Because like we have like a Pokemon show. There's a Pokemon themed to our thing. Uh, our games podcast, the Gamescast, the the Patreon exclusive thing is called Bots. Bonus of the show. You supply topic. So I'm thinking, Agents of Excelsior. That's what we got. <laughs> That's what I'm working with right now. So if you want to be an agent of Excelsior, if you want to have your opinions and thoughts read on the launch of the game on next week's episode. To our tier on patreon.com slash joyclicks, we'll get you that. And uh, I hope we like the name. I'm curious what Jack thinks. But with that being said, why don't we transition to the main focus of this episode, the homework I had for all of you to get ready for the story of Marvel's Avengers. Because as we know, Marvel's Avengers, the Avengers as a group, they're really tied to their their villains and their stories and missions. So this game's no different. Yeah, there's a focus on multiplayer, but we still have an Avengers story to deal with. And over the course of the last year or so, Marvel, under their Gameverse banner, has released a prequel series called The Road to A-Day. We have a number one issue for each of the five main Avengers, not counting Kamala, that uh, that kick off the game. So in this Road to A-Day, we have Iron Man number one, Thor number one, Hulk number one, Cap number one, and Widow number one. So we're going to run through basically the, the story elements, the things that I took away that sort of tie into what we've seen in the beta for world building and characters, and why A-Day was such a pivotal moment for this take on the Avengers. So first up, in this timeline of releases and chronological order, we have Iron Man number one. So this installment of this Road to A-Day series kicks off with the Avengers having to stop a shipment of S.H.I.E.L.D. tech from being hijacked by the Beetle, Absorbing Man, and Titania. Titania? Titania? I don't know. So like C-tier villains, right? But uh, that's how the comic opens, and I was really interested because we've seen like Abomination, we've seen Taskmaster, uh, we know Modok is a big player in the main story, but seeing the Avengers take on these characters kind of surprised me. Like seeing C-tier villains introduced in this game verse, I wonder if they play into a side mission at some point. Uh, Absorbing Man is the only one I was familiar with before this, but basically it's from Tony's perspective. We see the team struggling to sort of work as a unit at this moment. There's a really great moment where um, Tony, 
says like we we're gonna pull a, a jade wall maneuver and basically he just grabs beetle tosses him in front of widow and widow just kicks him until he makes impact against the hulk and then like later on banner has a dialogue with tony he's like i wish you would have told me about that like if you're gonna have a code name for something that is just using my body i would appreciate knowing but the comic is specifically for iron man really ties in a lot to this under like not undermining but like this really low-key sense of struggle and tension between the avengers and as we'll see in the Thor comic and the Hulk comic, there is kind of like a bit more of a rivalry and maybe just like tension, yeah, between Tony and Bruce, which the trailers have showcased a little bit. Obviously, there's that very intense dialogue between them we've seen in some of the trailers at the gravesite of Captain America. So uh, seeing the seeds here, seeing the distrust and the bickering about no communication as a team... Uh, Banner being distracted by his work, uh, Banner being distracted by Monica, who is a character that was teased in the iconic mission for the Hulk in the beta. So seeing this back and forth, seeing this distrust, I think plants the seeds for where we end up with the, the main conflict for Avengers breaking up. Uh, so what, what happens with Tony's story, he basically finds out that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been monitoring him, uh, his research, his focus as an avenger and somebody infiltrated shield and hacked shield servers that tony did not know he was being monitored by turns out it was spy master he finds out it was spy master they fight he stops them and at the end of the comic tony shows up to fury and is like hey not cool dude they have some tension as well uh fury basically says something to the effect of how, why should we trust you? You could blow up the earth before I finish my coffee. Why should I trust you? And again, Tony being sort of arrogant and leaning into that side basically shuts him down and says, cause I won't, you know, it's, it's that cocky level of Tony Stark. Um, and I think we'll get to this with the other characters, but they're at interesting points in their developments as characters um multiple times throughout the road to a day we see that tony is sober and he's not drinking so his his rough stretch of time as a as a character with uh, alcoholism is over so I, I don't know if that would be something that comes back after cap dies in the main campaign we'll see but uh yeah that's basically how iron man's story sorts out but after that, we d dive into Thor number one, which kicks off with Thor, Banner, and Tony working on a new global teleportation system, uh, running an experiment in the park. Basically, does not work out, uh, goes to hell. The three of them say like, oh, it was your fault. No, it was my fault. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. And Tony dips out, leaving Bruce and Thor in conflict. Uh, Thor asks Heimdall to open a portal to Asgard just to like flex on him and be like, see, why don't we need this? I can just do this whenever and then it works. Um, but doing so, the portal stays open because one Loki gets involved and just tries to stir the pot, you know? Like Loki has an inner monologue in this book that really, really goes in on showcasing the cracks that this take on the Avengers has. Um, there's a clear distrust between 
Thor and Banner, Banner and Tony, where Hulk, again, is kind of looming in the distance of, like, we know you can't control him. Um, and Loki just stirs that even more to eventually a point where Thor and Hulk, not Banner, are having a street fight in the middle of New York City. Lots of damage. Luckily, nobody died. But not a good look, right? Uh, sowing some distrust among the people that the Avengers can't even maintain their own order. So uh, clearly that's something that's going to build on in the, the A-Day aspect of Avengers, which again, we'll see come to a head. And we have seen come to a head based on the A-Day game demo. But that's it for Thor. Hulk. Hulk is really interesting because Hulk, I think his comic really paints this version of Banner in a way that we kind of are familiar with, but this one is sort of just really toned in on a self-loathing Bruce Banner. So at the start of it, we're introduced to Bruce and Monica, again, an original character as far as I know, uh, working together to try and figure out the mysteries of the Hulk and why it happens, when it comes, how to get rid of it. And as was alluded to, you know, in the iconic mission, Bruce and Monica have a history. They're very flirtatious at the start of the comic. Um, again, tension between the characters. Um, they kiss, they fight, uh, Banner storms off, runs into George Tarleton. And again, we know Tarleton is going to be a big, big player in the main game because Tarleton is MODOK. So MODOK basically comes into existence eventually, in the comics at least, as a glorified mad scientist. And I assume that's what's going to happen in the main game uh, from, again, the A-Day mission we've seen. He really has no regard for his own safety or the safety of others because as the Terrigen Crystal is falling apart and imploding on the helicarrier, uh, he's just stoked about it. And this issue of Hulk really illustrates that that was not the first time this happened. So uh, Banner and Tarleton basically have an exchange that Tarleton has some new energy thing he wants to experiment with. Banner says, I don't have time for that. Tarleton is like, oh, you Avengers, you don't care about anything but your own drama. So Tarleton goes into the depths of whatever S.H.I.E.L.D. facility he's at and does a unapproved experiment, goes horribly wrong. Uh, two security guards die and become this electrical monster that Hulk has to fight. And it's it's a typical Hulk showdown, showdown. you know, like he thunderclaps, he does his Hulk smash stuff, he, get, he screams at electricity. So I, I, the biggest takeaway here for sure was Bruce hates himself in this this world and Tarleton is very much the stereotypical mad scientist out the gate so uh, the comic does lead off excuse me leave off with Tarleton and Tony meeting after Tony visits Bruce in the hospital and Tarleton's like hey so I have another idea why don't we brainstorm this together and they walk off discussing science and stuff like that so maybe that ties into the Terrigen crystal that we see in the main campaign for the game because in the remaining two episodes or issues I should say um Tarleton doesn't show up again so that brings us to Cap uh Cap's comic is a little different from everything else we've seen so far they don't 
really tie much into the team in this one. And outside of the opening fight in Iron Man number one, we don't see Cap at all so far. He's referenced here or there, but this is when he gets his time to shine. This Cap, uh, what we see in the story is he's going to fight Batroc, who's doing a, like, a, he's robbing an armored vehicle, and Cap is narrating, talking about how he's not really there. Uh, the day of this attack, he's supposed to be at a funeral for one of his f last remaining uh, buddies from World War II. Uh, he goes to the funeral, has flashbacks throughout the comic to the days of World War II, fighting as the the glory days of Captain America alongside ground-level scrappy agents of the, the military. And what he hones in on is the fact that because this group, specifically this character Davis, who he has such a strong fondness for and reverence for, is kind of inspiring to him and thinking back to him, thinking back to the way he approached intelligence, the way he worked on a ground level, but had so much access to the greater shield intelligence of World War II. Focusing on the everyday, focusing on boots on the ground is what led them to have so much success. And Cap, reflecting on that, is eventually able to stop a truck later in the comic, but his biggest walk takeaway is that that's what the Avengers need to do, because everybody so far has been off on their own. They've really been struggling as a team, some infighting, some distrust, and Cap looking back on somebody who was very influential to his morals and his intelligence as a leader, basically leaves off with the comic, talking to Tony, saying, hey, I have an idea for the future of the Avengers. We have to talk. Finally, kind of similar to Cap's, but... Uh, the most different one so far. We have Black Widow number one. Uh, this issue really fleshes out S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, it it, it in introduces Widow in her days as a defecting Russian spy and sort of acclimating to working for the U.S. government, specifically S.H.I.E.L.D. So it, it dives into the origins of Widow and S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, she does not trust a single soul. Uh, Fury is trying to like wrangle her and really show her that if she wants to be with S.H.I.E.L.D., she has to learn to trust. Specifically, she has to learn to trust Fury over anybody. And uh, Widow eventually does lean into trusting a character named Tony Masters. Tony, um, not to be confused with Tony Stark when I'm talking about Tony right now, Tony Masters trains her in the, the forms of S.H.I.E.L.D. training and it's the, the only person she really comes to trust and rely on in combat. Eventually, though, uh, there's a Hydra cell that is kidnapped and brought into the S.H.I.E.L.D. base. Eventually, someone tries to break them out. On the scene of the crime, it looks like one Black Widow used her techniques uh, that only she has to break out these members of Hydra. But, turns out, this, uh, this Tony Masters guy copied her. He learned her abilities. He studied her in their training and used those abilities to frame her because he was hired by some like third party to break out these Hydra cell, uh, units. And eventually, we jump to modern day after the situation is resolved and Fury and Natasha basically come to terms and like, okay, I trust you. Uh, we jump to five years later after her origins of S.H.I.E.L.D. and see that when Masters escaped, 
he uh, went a little crazy, adopted the persona of Taskmaster, and is now appearing in satellite footage as we lead up to A-Day. So, that is the road to A-Day. You know, it's not super in-depth with talking about the motivations of the villains or seeing the team function, excuse me, (laughs) as a unit um, outside of the early moments of specifically Iron Man number one. But I think the biggest takeaway is, and why I'm glad I read these, fleshing out where we are with these takes on the characters, right? Like, like I said, Widow is the fully functional shield operative now. Tony's been through his alcoholism. Cap is struggling to evolve in the new age. Bruce is depressed and hates himself. And Thor is Thor. (laughs) Like, Thor is the Viking god of thunder, right? Like, obviously, I'm a big fan of how Hemsworth has evolved Thor for the films, but this is by the numbers Thor, if I've ever seen it, and that's okay. Um, But yeah, so the biggest takeaway really is seeing the friction, seeing the tension, touching base with these takes on the characters that many of us are familiar with, seeing what makes this take on them unique, because there is a lot of unique flavor here, and getting a sense of what to expect for the main game. So, that is the road to A-Day. And as far as how it connects to the overall story we've seen so far, obviously seeing the public start to doubt the Avengers in these comics, seeing their infighting, and Taskmaster being tied to Natasha's origins, Seeing the attack on A-Day, seeing Tarleton's mess of mad science experiments, seeing the the lack of communication and the lack of proper function and collaboration among the team, seeing them fail on A-Day, seeing the, the resolution of these seeds of distrust, I think is honestly pretty cool. Because if this was a film, right, if we lead off with the Avengers being together and they break up, doesn't really make sense right we've seen the avengers break up on film but we have the context of like seven years of movies already so going into this game which again telling a story in a game i think is you can jump these sharks a little easier having the introduction being able to touch base i appreciate it a lot so hopefully uh in my narration in my uh establishing of what we should walk away from this series with Hopefully, as we see the Avengers fall apart when we boot the game up and play through A-Day once again, we really understand the like this take on the characters and this world and why Kamala is so important to the story they're telling. So, that is the road to A-Day. And this is Excelsior, a Marvel's Avengers podcast. Uh, like I said at the top, typically, it's not just me. Typically, it will be myself and Jack Martin. And uh, as of right now, we're still going to be releasing episodes on the weekends, so Saturdays on youtube.com slash joyclicks, the Excelsior Marvel's Avengers podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to it. Um, Definitely next weekend is going to be Saturday for the Impressions episode, and as soon as we learn when like the weekly resets and the challenges and stuff like that get updated and refreshed, we might move the release date a little bit but we will be updating that for sure. So in the road to launch, be sure to follow us on Twitter at ExcelsiorJC for information, fun little surprises about the community, our involvement, and 
what we expect from the game. I think that's everything. Like I said before, uh, we appreciate likes, ratings, and reviews, so if you enjoyed the show, be sure to do that, because it helps us actually a lot. We are still currently the number one Marvel's Avengers podcast, and I would like to keep it that way, so if you're listening, please do that. That would help so much in maintaining this show and maintaining our excitement about the game and being the voice for the community that we want to be. So, that is going to do it. I'll say, if you're not planning on getting the game at launch, if you're interested in the story, uh, I will be streaming most of my story playthroughs starting on September 1st at midnight, most likely, on twitch.tv slash chrisnbuckley. So, until then, Excelsior. <laughs>